Welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello, created for entrepreneurs and online business owners who know that business gets to be different from what we've been told. Join me and my entrepreneurial guests for insights into how they've created wild success while dropping the hustle and honoring their well-being. Because I believe that success is more than a financial destination. It's how we get to feel every day. Welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello. I'm so excited to be inviting Tamsin onto the show today. Tamsin Crimmins believes the future of business is nervous system-led. After spending years working in the fast-paced world of politics and journalism, she soon discovered that ignoring her body was a fast track to burnout. Tamsin's vibe is regulated and rich, and she advocates for a model of business that prioritizes authentic expression, embodied receiving, and letting ourselves be seen as the leaders we are. In her work as a somatic coach, she supports quietly rebellious female entrepreneurs, coaches, healers, and creatives to build pleasure-based businesses that disrupt status quo. Welcome, welcome, Tamsin. It's so lovely to have you here. And above all those wonderful things that I just referenced there, Tamsin is also my coach who I've been working with over the past year. Um, Tamsin came into my world via another wonderful coach, and I found her quite the mystery. I'd never met anyone who seemed quite so comfortable in her own skin. And it didn't take long until I was asking Tamsin, how do I get a bit of whatever it is you're having? Because it looks pretty good. Um, So I'm really excited to have Tamsin on here. And I feel like one of the first questions I should be asking you is, what is the nervous system? Now, for, for our average listener, they might not know what that is. And it obviously plays such an integral role in what you do. So let's start there. What is the nervous system? Mm, It's such a a hot topic at the moment and um, I'm so glad that you're asking about this and thank you so much for having me on the podcast as well. The reason that I share this idea that the future of business is nervous system led is because since I (laughs) discovered the power of my own nervous system and actually befriending it, so many things have made sense from my hormones and my cycle, to how I attach to money, to my relationship with my partner, actually being able to get into a relationship with my partner, um, down to my boundaries, how I interact with clients, when trauma is coming up in the room with my clients. It really, really, truly does affect every single area of our lives. So I want to start there because there's so much information out there about how we regulate our nervous systems, you know, from cold plunging to breath work to tapping, um, which are all gorgeous and incredible tools. And I love them. And I really just want to be clear that our nervous system is a complex system that affects everything. And it's really about um, working with your nervous system in terms of business and life is about coming into relationship with ourselves and our bodies. And there are people way more qualified to talk about the deep science of the nervous system. Um, But for me, when I understood based on through through a polyvagal lens, there's an incredible, incredible researcher, Dr. Stephen Porges, who um, came up with this theory, polyvagal theory. And the idea of it is that we, a lot of us are familiar with the fight or flight response. Like we could probably all dip into our fight or flight response and understand 
what that is. It's, you know, it's where anger and anxiety and the desire to run away when things get tough comes from. Um, and, and we absolutely, thank heavens, we have that incredible evolutionary response so that back in the day when we were on the savannah, we could run away from predators, or if we thought we had a chance of fighting them, we could fight them. This is how we have survived this long. And in, in Dr. Porges' work, he talks about how we have an even older evolutionary response, which is called the dorsal vagal branch of the nervous system. And this is the, it's 500 million years old. And this is where, when we were on the savannah, a predator had come along. If we weren't able to fight or flee, we would go into shutdown and numbing, to essentially so that we could, um, it wouldn't be quite so painful to be eaten alive, is the truth of it. <laughs> um, and obviously now um, we have evolved over all of this time. Our newest branch, um, our newest state of the nervous system is something called um, the ventral vagal system. And this is where connection, presence, um, connection to spirit, being regulated, essentially, when we talk about being regulated, we are hanging out in our social engagement system, the ventral vagal. And this is where we want to be spending the majority of our time. But unfortunately, I certainly know in my life, it wasn't until I discovered polyvagal theory, you know, I had done all of the yoga, which absolutely was about um, coming into both my parasympathetic nervous system and, and being able to be in that rest and digest phase, which quite frankly, I just hadn't experienced before because I certainly spent probably the first, well, the first, you know, 30 years of my life. And I would definitely say, um, particularly as a teenager and in my teen, um, in my twenties rather, um, constant bouncing between the states of my sympathetic fight, fight or flight and my dorsal vagal. So in other words, constantly moving between states of depression and anxiety. And I had no idea what that was. I didn't know if I was bipolar. I didn't know if it was my menstrual cycle. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And through my understanding of how trauma impacts the nervous system, I came to understand that what I was essentially living with was chronic nervous system dysregulation. And it's so normalized in our world to be stuck in these sympathetic or dorsal states. We need these states. These are fantastic states. They have incredibly important um, functions. And there are, when we say, for example, when we are, are playing, we dip into our sympathetic energy. When we're meditating, we dip into our dorsal energy, but the problem comes when we get stuck in those states and we, we don't know what's happening, we don't have the knowledge, and we also don't have the tools to be able to move ourselves freely between those states so that we're spending the majority of our time in that ventral vagal. So it's a much more complicated system than I am obviously painting here, but this is the kind of the broad brushstrokes maybe to um, frame our conversation. No, that is super helpful. And I, I guess the main question that was coming up for me when I was listening to you was, what does that look like being in that state? And what does that look like in terms of in business, in relationships, what kind of behavior? And I'm, I'm obviously wouldn't ask anything so personal as what that looked like for you. 
But what would you say in terms of somebody's behavior in regards to how they show up in business or let's 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 keep it because this is a show about business and let's let's throw relationships in because we like those two. Um, how would you say that shows up? What what would be the sign that you are living in a state of kind of I can't remember all the different systems you mentioned there, but the ones that we want less of. What does that look like? Yeah. So there's the um, sympathetic fight flight. And then the dorsal bagel, which is more of the shutdown. So fight or flight, clues that we might be there. Um, This is where things like um, frustration, which is definitely something I experience regularly, and it's a really good clue for me that I'm dysregulated. Um, Anger, grief sometimes can live there, although you can absolutely be regulated and be experiencing grief. Um, you might notice in your body um, a clenched jaw. Your legs might feel the urge to want to move, like you might have a bit of a jiggly leg. Um, a lot of the time it shows up in the stomach, like a tightening in our in our stomachs, our solar plexus, headaches, any kind of tightening. Um, you're mobilized, basically. It's, your, your body is mobilized to do something. And the thoughts that you might be having, it's like, um, I have to do something now. It's that real sense of urgency. And oh my goodness, don't we know this in business? I have been in masterminds and so many scenarios where the sympathetic fight flight energy runs the show. Yeah. And I know you mentioned about burnout, you know, is, is burnout one of those kind of ultimate combinations of when you've been living too long in that state? hundred percent. You've got it. Yeah. Um, it puts a huge amount of stress on our systems, on every single system in the body to be constantly stuck in a survival state. Mm. So you'll notice with animals when they're, um, they can mobilize incredibly quickly when there's threat. But when you watch, this is, this is where this theory has come from, is how, how come animals are constantly facing threats in the wild and aren't traumatized? What is that? Um, and, and, and the reason is because they can very quickly move back out. You'll notice they, they, they're getting chased by something and then they shake it off and they're playing two minutes later. And then seconds later, the, the ears prick up. They notice there's a threat um, and they're mobilized again. But when we are stuck in this constant state of survival, our energy is going to keep us there. It's not going towards our digestion. It's not going towards our keeping our hormones regulated. You know, it's not going towards us having the most, you know, strategic or loving thoughts. You know, it's those states, our survival states are very much there because as a, as a form of self-protection. And it just puts an incredibly heavy load on the system. Um, so this is where you see see things like chronic illness and and burnout um, happening. And I and I just want to go back and finish the thought on the um, this, the clues that we might be in the dorsal vagal complex as well, because we've got the fight or flight. I think a lot of us are very familiar with fight mm. or flight, the anxiety that I've got to take action right now. Um, you know, sleep problems, racing thoughts. Um, anxious, really kind of driven to make things happen. And the when we can't evade that threat or when our system thinks this isn't working, we go down into dorsal. This is where there's more of a numbness and apathy. I can't be bothered. I don't want to do anything. Um, you know, it's where depression lives. And there are grades to all of these things. We can dip a tiny little bit in or we can be, you know, 
the, the, the full whack. Um, so it's not, I'm kind of putting them in these boxes, but a lot of the time there's a blending um, of all of these different, of all of these different states. And I, you know, in that state, there's a lot of disconnection from the world, from spirit, from others. It's a feeling of, I, I can't. Like these are the thoughts that are going through our minds when we might be in the dorsal. It's we're, we're withdrawing from the world a lot more when we're there. That's so interesting. And it was really interesting as well, listening to the example you were giving about animals, because it reminded me of my cat that went missing for about two weeks. And when we found him, he was entirely gray. So oh. obviously being in that state of constant survival, you know, where, where you say we're so used to seeing cats being agile, actually in that scenario where this cat obviously wasn't really able to shake it off because he wasn't in a, a kind of scenery that he recognized um, and what didn't know where his next meal was coming from. He, you know, I, I barely recognized him when I saw him. It is really interesting how so, so often as humans, we can see this behavior in animals and we forget that we ourselves aren't much more complicated than that. And we similarly need to tend to our needs. The other thing that came up listening to you was the memory of watching your incredible wisdom on Instagram and the things you had to share and messaging you and saying, what book can I read on how to become more regulated? And as you share everything, I imagine there may be others having similar thoughts to me going, where can I learn more about this? And what's been really interesting about my journey with you is realizing that actually a lot of it's about stepping away from that cerebral space and actually dropping into the body. So I would love to know from your experience in your business, what does it look like leading your own business from a place of nurturing your own nervous system? Mm, such a good question. And really just want to preface everything I say that this is how it works for me and we're all different. Um, I have my own individual desires for the kind of life that I want to lead. Um, and so I follow I follow my desires. Um, I like a lot of space. I like a lot of time for reading and creativity. And um, I'm really setting my business and life up so that I can spend as much time as possible. I very much hope to become a mother. And I really hope that um, the intention is that I get to take lots of time off for that and um, um, really prioritize that. So that's been my desires. You know, other people have completely different desires. So I just want to, I just want to start there. This is what works for me and everybody is different. Um, but in terms of leading with my nervous system, you mentioned coming into connection with the body. And I don't want to minimize this because for so many of us, and certainly for myself in the past, the idea of dropping into my body was completely alien and you know, everybody else seemed to be able to make it look easy, perhaps in a yoga class or a, a circle or whatever it might be, a workshop. And my my body did not feel like a safe place to be. Mm. Um, I stayed in my mind. I stayed in achievement. I stayed there because that's where I, I felt safe. When I dropped into my body, that's when, um, you know, I could kind of feel Every, all of the things that I was trying to not feel, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, so really just want to make space for this being a gradual process. And um, we don't just suddenly wake up and we're bang, we're regulated, we're running our lives from ease and pleasure overnight. It just doesn't work like that. We have to take these things super slowly and really gently. Um, so for me, it's about recognizing 
all the time, basically, like throughout the day. It's not like on, you know, between four and 5 p.m. I regulate my nervous system or I listen to my body. It's every single day checking in. Where am I on what you might call, you might have heard described as your autonomic ladder. So where am I on that ladder of, am I, am I actually regulated right now? Or, or is there some fight flight energy present? Okay, interesting. What can I do? You know, could I do a little, um, a walk around the block? Could I do a tiny, um, a couple of breaths? Uh, could I ask my partner for a, a, cut, a hug? Um, could I, you know, feel some, some cold water on my hands to, to bring, to bring myself back to the awareness of, of how I'm actually feeling. So having awareness to be able to actually pause and say, where am I right now? What's happening? Um, oh, I'm noticing that I'm having thoughts that aren't very helpful. Okay. That's a cue. I'm, I'm not regulated right now. What can I do to try and bring myself back into more of a ventral place? Because the truth of the matter is. When we are in our ventral present regulator state, that is when we are able to feel in at ease, like everything's going to be okay. We can trust what's coming. Uh, we make much better decisions. We're not making decisions out of desperation or like, oh my God, I've got to do something now. Um, we are able to literally have more, a bigger perspective. Because when we're in a survival state, we, we go into tunnel vision. We can't see clearly. It's not a, a rational place to be. Like, listen to your thoughts when you're in fight or flight versus when you're in, when you're regulated. They're going to be really different thoughts. So I really try to move from a place of regulation in my decision making. And that means I do a lot less, really, really scale back the actions that I take. Um, so that they're in line with what I actually want, what I want, <laughs> not listening to what other people say that I should want, what, you know, the noise in, in our industry is constantly telling us <laughs> what we should want or what we should do. It, it's about stopping, being aware, accepting where I am, moving into regulation and then taking steps from there. Because when we are regulated, People can feel it. They can feel at ease. Like our nervous systems are constantly reading each other. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, we, we can regulate on our own, but we can also co-regulate with others, which is a lot of the time what we're doing in coaching and therapeutic relationships is I can be a regulated anchor who is here, who is pre present. And this is why often we spend time with our coaches or whoever, and we're like, oh, I, I, I feel better. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, it's because we're kind of sharing that energy together. But it also has a huge impact in the tone of our voice, in the marketing messages that we're putting out there, in our visuals. It, it, it permeates absolutely everything. And we, unfortunately, in the coaching industry, like I say, it's been stuck on the sympathetic fight-flight energy for a long time. And that's where all of the tactics that we've seen about FOMO and urgency and, you know, pushing people. And I know you talk about this all the time. You're, you've created this incredible business model that is so spacious and gives people the, um, you're not rushing them to make a decision. Yeah. You know? And as a result, the people that you invite into that container have come in from a place of regulation and trust and the results that you get reflect that. Yeah, no, it's it's immensely important, isn't it? And what's kind of sad is reflecting on that, the state you're talking to and, and the way of living and being 
as self-employed individuals, we have more opportunity to create that reality for ourselves. And that, that is so challenging to create in a corporate environment. And it's and for anyone who has gone into self-employment from a corporate background, a lot of the time it's kind of deconditioning ourselves, isn't it? From those that reactiveness that, you know, an email's come in, you've got to reply to it, you've got to finish the day with an empty inbox, you've got to, you know, have action XYZ and answer to however many people. It's an, an immensely stressful way to live and then to learn how to actually be your own governor and and I don't know if governor is quite the right, right <laughs> word there but, but you know ma- managing yourself and one of the things I really like that you started with there is your real awareness of your own desires and I think it's really fascinating you know you, you express them with so much confidence and clarity and it doesn't seem to me in this kind of day and age that many people really know what their desires are unattached from, like you say, what everyone else is telling them they should be. Um, and I'd love to know, you know, are there any practices in how you live your day that help you kind of not get distracted by that noise and tune in with yourself? Mm, yeah. I'm extremely privileged in the sense that I have a very spacious morning. So I'm always really aware that when I talk about my morning routine, I'm often talking to mothers and I know that the morning routine of mothers can be very much about attending to the needs of others which is Mm. a very beautiful thing um so this is just where I'm at currently um and in the morning I have a journaling and a movement practice and I'm not perfect with it by any means but generally speaking I come back to these two practices um I I just journaling is the thing that has saved my life so many times, you know, from having such an incredibly full mind um, pr- prior to kind of understanding my body a bit more, everything went into the journals. So it's still my go-to place to find my own truth. Um, I find that the pen is really, it's an incredibly magical thing to put pen to paper and express what's going on. So um, I use so many different journaling practices. I use kind of morning pages where I just kind of vomit it all out. And then I also use, I'm a huge fan of journal prompts and um, kind of looking at things from different perspectives. Um, And then the embodiment practice can look really different depending on the day. Um, And again, I'm absolutely not perfect at this. Sometimes I um, get to the mat and can do very little. And that tells me a lot (laughs) about where I'm at. And some days I can really, really feel what's happening in my body, where there's resistance, where there's stickiness, um, you know, what it is that I really, truly am desiring, what's in the way of that, moving it through. It gives, it just gives so much information all the time when we tune in to to look at it. So they're my two kind of go-to practices. And what I would say is um, another piece that I I used to do a lot of womb work because that's where um, I had um, sexual trauma that I was recovering from. And the womb was where I went to do a lot of my healing. And I still use womb and kind of ovary practices. And cycle tracking and understanding what's happening in my womb and I know that can sound maybe a little bit out there but if I want to know the truth of what I what I really desire I go to the womb Mm. that is 
really truly you know you you, you said oh we can touch on relationships there's so many parallels between love yes. and sex and, and and business you know there really are um my financial life st- stabilized hugely when i allowed myself to um be loved by my partner to attach to have a secure attachment with my partner i was then able to securely attach to money that you know before that i was like I, you know come here go away come here go away that was my entire vibe you know um but the womb uh if, if we think about where you know new life literally comes from desire two people mm. wanting to merge and be you know with each other's bodies creates entirely new life like it's an absolute miracle i just blows my mind every time i think of it and when we can connect with our wounds with our pussies with our with our feminine sexual energy in whatever way like we're all at different stages of the journey on this stuff it's all welcome um when i when i'm really listening to those centers that's where the truth will generally come through and it might not be a very convenient truth but if I'm, I know there's something up if I'm a bit shut off from those places in my body. Yeah, I love that. And I think when I was listening to you, I felt the word receiving. Um, that's a word that you use a lot. And obviously that relates to, like you say, both relationships and business, um, because the ability to receive money can very much be the same thing to receive love, to receive compliments, to receive support. And similarly, I also found, you know, my own experience where I've learned to be more boundaried in my business. I've likewise been more boundaried with friends, with partnerships. So I'd love for you to kind of elaborate a bit more on the kind of theme of receiving, because I feel like that's one of the most, one of the most eye-opening things that you shared that really I actually struggle. It's, it was difficult to land with me. And in many ways that really highlighted to me that I had a lot of work to do around receiving. And I suspect there'll probably be a lot of listeners listening who also could do some work around receiving. So I'd love for you to elaborate a bit more on that because I think it's so significant. Mm, Yes. And I love that you mentioned boundaries. It's such an essential part of receiving work to actually give yourself the space to have what you desire. Um, So I know you've done a lot of work on this. And when we... (laughs) receiving is 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 really quite a surrendered experience there is a certain amount of letting go in order to receive and when we are um feeling unsafe in our bodies the last thing we're going to do is let go to receive we are going to um feel a lack of trust and we're going to want to control and that can really give us you know when We've had experiences in the past where we've not been in control, which is a a real marker of of trauma. Um, We are really going to want to be gripping on tight to make sure that we're vigilant of what's happening. We're taking the action. We're making everything happen. And receiving is completely different to that. It's, It's actually about being able to listen to our own embodied truth, ask for what we want. And part of that is so beautifully setting boundaries, which can be, I certainly... You know, people talk about boundaries like it's no big deal, but from you know the upbringing that I've had, boundary setting and maintaining is hugely difficult. Um, so I just really don't want to minimize the fact that that is it, it's huge. It's huge work. So bravo to anybody who sets and maintains boundaries, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, so receive a huge part of receiving is being able to feel safe within our own systems within our own bodies 
and lean back a little bit and trust that things are going to be okay. And again, it's it's so connected with the nervous system because the way that we find safety is through our you know, somatic embodied experience. Um, and there are so many tools to be able to do that. We can tell ourselves that we're safe. I'm sure you've, you know, maybe you've had the experience of telling yourself everything's okay. Everything's going to be fine. But until your system actually feels that it's, it's just going to, it's not going to land because it's a completely different language that we don't, you know, these evolutionary circuits are, are pre-verbal, you know? Um, so we have to actually communicate with the body to let ourselves know like, okay, I'm here, I'm present in this moment. I am okay. I am safe. Most of the worst things that we think about are never going to happen. <laughs> never, mm. ever going to happen. Um, so the more we can actually come into presence, and the, and, and the more we can expand our tolerance for presence and regulation, because it is something to tolerate. Ease is deeply uncomfortable. Receiving everything we want is deeply uncomfortable at first. Expanding our tolerance for that is, is delicate work. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's allowing ourselves more and more and more. Like today, you know, if you went to get a manicure, like how gorgeous. You allowed yourself to receive that. And I'm pretty sure that it didn't come without it's without every time I go and take a get a massage or do any of these things, there's there's still a self-protector within me that would really rather I was working. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Always. Um, and what can we do to actually recognize that oh interesting, there's a, there's a protector around. Okay, how can I make how can I can I how can I show my system and that protector that they can they can back off a little bit that we're safe? Yeah, that, I always get that sense of like bunking from school. <laughs> totally. Did you do well in school? Yeah. Mm. And there was a bit of bunking involved. But oh. it's it, it's funny how it, it it brings back that slightly guilty, you know, and it, it, it is. It, I go back to my old teenage self of like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. This is really naughty. Um, yeah. And sometimes that can feel like a pleasant, rebellious pleasure. And other times... You know, it just takes one message during that massage or that manicure that makes you go, oh, I should have been immediately available for this. Um, but, you know, we all deserve breaks, don't we? And so fantastic to notice that when I take time for myself, when I allow myself to receive, there is a part of me that feels like this. These are the thoughts that come up. These, It's so interesting that you mentioned school. And I'm, I'm going to like... Put a few things together here and you can tell me if I'm way off or, or not. But I certainly know that when there are parts of me that that crop up who feel younger, they normally are. They normally it, it is my teenage self or it's my 21 year old self or it's my seven year old self. And they come up all the time <laughs> and they have things to say because a source of safety and belonging in my family was if I did well at school. Mm. Was if I worked hard, was if I behaved well, was if I got the grades. There was a lot of pressure to um, get into the good schools, get into university, get the get the good A-levels, all of that kind of pressure. That is how I found safety and belonging, as well as being somebody who absorbed all of the emotions of everybody else around me. That was something that meant that I could survive in that environment. So when we have these adaptations when we're younger and then we're trying to you know, carve out new pathways. 
of course those parts are going to come up and say, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is safe. Can we really receive? Can we really be seen? Can we really let ourselves rest? I don't know. And the, the you know, that, that awareness is so fantastic, Polly. And when we can turn towards those parts and say, I see you, I'm here for you. The past is over. It's a new time. I'm taking care of us now. Then they can they, they can kind of calm themselves and and you know we get to be the CEOs and the leaders again rather than having our you know in a fifteen year old running our businesses. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting listening to everything you have to say because it, it it does appear to be this kind of balance between one listening to our bodies, but also listening to the stories that come alongside that that, that kind of residual kind of stuckness somewhere in your body that is holding on to some memory from when you were younger and while there's a somatic element of kind of releasing it there's also an element of understanding the story well enough to understand I mean I find in my own experience there's usually some core theme that runs throughout most of these things but still sometimes there are various different parts of it that need unpicking um, almost like a kind of thread going through some material you kind of get these little kind of sharp things that undo them and but until you've entirely removed the thread there'll still be little bits that kind of pop up you know <laughs> along the seam um, so I love that. I think that's really interesting and interesting to recognize the, the amount of space we kind of need to give ourselves to be able to allow for that kind of ability to do that deep listening and really understand ourselves um, and understand what it is that we need. I mean, what I would really like to ask you, which I feel is so often what I feel when I listen to anybody who is deep into deep into a journey where it's reached the stage where it's almost habitual, it's almost natural. And I, and I know with the, what kind of work you do, it's there's always more to be done, right? There's always deeper levels to get to. But at the same time, you're very deep into this journey. So for those who are perhaps listening to you for the first time, they might kind of go, oh, that's all right for Tamsin. You know, she, for example, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you're, you're not a mother and at the moment, uh, so you have more time. Um, and they may also think that their current situation in work would mean that it'd be hard to be where you're at right now. So I'm kind of curious to know, I mean, if we zoom out a bit in terms of where, you know, your journey, because you've actually been through quite the evolution yourself in your business to create the kind of business where you now have this space. So I'd love if you could just share a bit about that, because I'm sure there may be others wondering, I would love a bit more of whatever it is that Tamsin's having. What would that look like for me? And I know we're all individual, but if there's anything from your journey that they could learn from, it'd be really interesting for you to share some of that with them. Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. And um, yeah, I completely acknowledge my the, the many, many, many layers of privilege that I enjoy. Um, mm. And the very real um, experience of following our desires, what we really truly want and leaving behind what we don't as profoundly, I mean, talk about dysregulating, um, difficult, challenging. None of this has been easy. Um, and the movement from, and I'm still on the journey 100%, but the movement from overworking, overgiving, lack of boundaries, undercharging, not doing work that was really lighting me up towards what now feels a lot more like alignment. Um, took 
huge amounts of support, hired all of the coaches, did yeah. all of the nervous system work, really invested in that. Once it clicked for me that my unhealed patterns were gonna, were running the show and that it didn't matter how much strategy I put on top of that, if I didn't attend to what was going on inside, that wasn't going to matter. Mm. Um, so really investing, which was, you know, it's an incredibly vulnerable thing to do to invest in that kind of healing work and, 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 and that type of business um, support as well, really trauma-informed support. I just can't work with people who um, are kind of like, just do it kind of vibe. My, like, I just can't, I know myself well enough to know that now. Um, even though I would love to be like one of those people, <laughs> I would absolutely love to, but it's just not my journey. Um, so investing in the support, even when it wasn't really possible, when I, you know, really had to stretch myself to be able to do that. And I cannot tell you how slow it was. I mean, it was reflected back to me that everything happened really quickly. But from my own experience, the journey of really slowly, like starting to put boundaries in place, starting to raise prices, um, starting to put myself out there with new offerings. I that. Like I'm like agonizing is how I would describe it. Um, and I don't, I know there's so many people who talk about ease and flow and all of these things. And and absolutely when we are able to operate, you know, the, be the active operators of our nervous system, we are able to invite in more ease and flow and pleasure and all of those things. And those things, I cannot tell you how kind I had to be to myself, how many massages I had, how many baths I took, how much coaching I had. Um, how much I spoke to my inner child. I really wish that I could say there was a shortcut to this stuff, but I don't mm. I don't know it. I really don't know it. It's taken a lot of work. And also the thing that supported me to be able to do that was I got sober, you know, for the first time in my life, completely clean and sober, which has been about a year and eight or nine months at this point, which has completely changed everything. So, you know, every, I wish I could just say, just regulate your nervous system and everything's going to be fantastic. But the truth of the matter is, um, you know, what are your habits like? What are your relationships like? What is your home environment like? You know, how are you treating money? There are so many different pieces to this. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like it's some kind of huge uphill battle because there is absolutely um, light on the other side and it's 100% possible. Um, but I don't want anybody to think that it's like a quick fix because... It's, it, it's just not. They're do, doing that deep work to unlearn all of those patterns and create something new for yourself. That's a choice. We all get to make that choice. Some of us have more resources to make that choice and it might be easier in some ways, but, it, but to take that brave and courageous step to actually say, I'm going to be really true to what I want <laughs> and listen to my own needs um, and then take the actions to do that has taken... It's taken a lot. It's taken a lot. Um, and I don't think I could have done it without support, without people around me. Beautiful. And I think what's been really lovely to observe about your journey has been watching how you truly have stepped into the role of being a leader, um, which can be, in, in a word as of itself, relatively triggering for some. But you really have stepped into that leadership role and, you know, being a, a well, you are a thought leader in, in this area. And, um, and it's really wonderful to observe your reflections on Instagram. But what was really interesting for me as well is to see how, you know, you kind of had services before. And as you've evolved as a leader, the kind of whole dynamic of how you support people now has also evolved alongside that. Um, 
which is really wonderful to see. And I think like an example I would almost like to share, um, listening to what you're speaking to, because I think it's so relevant in the realms of um, nervous system and how trauma can show up in business is that I have so many conversations, myself being an ad agency owner, with other people who've been in the service-based business. And so many take similar journeys to me that they start off being the actual implementer and then reaching a stage where they're so successful that they then have other people supporting with the implementing and they become the kind of head of the show. Um, and what's really interesting for a lot of them is it's not just a strategical move at some point to move away from being perhaps an agency owner or the implementer but to instead step into more of a CEO role or perhaps abandon the agency altogether and move into the role of consultant or coach. I, at the moment, of course, I'm straddling the two. <laughs> but um, th there is so much more to it than just the strategy. A lot of it is, you know, I see in the service-based business, a lot of people I talk to, a lot of things they have in common is that, atta that attachment between their worth and what they give to others and mm. And that's where they kind of fell into a service-based business and where later on where they've done some of the work and feeling more confidence in who they are and what they have to bring, suddenly that can morph into a space where they don't feel they need to do the things to get the praise from a client. And instead, it, that dynamic gets to look very different. But it mm -hmm. takes, I know, from obviously the work I've done with you has been significantly around this, has been the ability to say, buy to bad fit clients, um, which, you know, really drain your energy and certainly can trigger you and put you in a very negative state, um, somatically where you're tense. And like you say, you don't make the right decisions. In, in my experience, I found when I was working with bad fit clients, they would wear me down like mentally and physically. And then when you're worn down, when that same person then comes back and says, and now I want this and now I want that, you'd be so worn down, you'd struggle to, to, to be in your elevated self and make those kind of decisions you'd promised yourself perhaps earlier that day or with your coach, because you just aren't, you don't have it in you to make those decisions. So I mean, I kind of want to speak to this part because I think it's so important to kind of talk about what it looks like on the outside world in terms of what can that look like in business? What can that look like in life and relationships? Um, and obviously we've been on quite the journey together over the last year and it really has totally changed the landscape of my business and who I now attract in as clients, the kind of things, even launching this podcast was a journey with my nervous system. But, you know, everything you do is is so powerful. And it's like I say, it's just been really beautiful to see you embody what it is to be regulated because the way you show up is, is that rich and regulated self, which then, like you say, attracts in others who desire that too. But uh, watching how you embody the next level for others so that others can kind of step into that and be in that energy is just really beautiful. And I really encourage anyone listening who isn't already following Tamsin, the link will be below the show to please go and give her a follow. Because if you want to see an example of what Tamsin's, Tamsin's been referring to in terms of what it's like to be in the energy of somebody who's regulated, it is very interesting and dare I say exciting to, to watch Tamsin and, and really see all the different states of Tamsin. I think one of the beautiful things you've referred to before as well, Tamsin, is that you know, you can be regulated and you can be feeling grief. You, you know, you, you can be regulated and regulated doesn't mean toxic positivity and being happy all the time. No, definitely not. And, and definitely you, and that's, not. yeah. And you share the phases of that with, with people who are following you, which I find 
really beautiful as well. You share the days where you, you just want to be in bed and be comfortable and you share the days where you've got your red lippy on and uh, you're feeling sassy. Um, <laughs> and I think that's one of the really beautiful parts about following you as well is that you really see the different parts. And I mean, honestly, the show could go on for hours <laughs> talking to all the different things that um, you bring to the world, which is why I recommend you follow Tamsin because, and you need to do it for a while because you're going to see all the different shades of Tamsin <laughs> over the, at least the 30 days that you're following her for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that Polly because honestly uh, the thing I say all the time and I say it to myself I say it to clients I say it to everybody is all parts of you are welcome mm. you know every single part the part the CEO part the part that is scared the younger part the critic the perfectionist every single part is welcome the part that's angry you know it's so rare that we're allowed to express that the sexual part, all parts are welcome when we really allow allow ourselves. This to me is this to me is healing, and this to me is where we get to lead businesses where we're not having to pretend. And mm. just to kind of reflect back as well to you, the journey that you've been on, and the journey that I, I'm sure so many people who come to work with you and listen to the podcast may have been on or are on now is an identity shift mm. and shifting our identities um, into somebody who says what I have to say matters, my needs matter, my desires matter, me getting paid properly matters, my boundaries matter, my self-care, all of these pieces from somebody who maybe has had maybe more people-pleasing tendencies or, oh, I just want to be in the background. None of, you know, it's there's nothing wrong if you absolutely love implementing and delivering work. Amazing. But if there is a part of you that desires to be seen as a leader or um, uh, just play a bigger game, basically. Um, I really, really, really want to open up the possibility that when you can bring all parts with you, so there's no part that's dragging you back and saying like, no, this is where we like, we face the resistance, you know, when we can actually allow all of those parts to come with us, that's when it's sustainable. That's when we're not battling against ourselves all of the time. And that to me has been an incredible thing about watching your journey is to actually see you say, oh, th this, this part about me that maybe I thought wasn't okay. Oh, this is actually amazing. This mm. part of my personality, this part of my leadership, this part of my skill set, this part, you know, all of it has come to create this phenomenal brand that is so 100% uniquely you. <laughs> well, thank you. And it's really interesting because I was about to say to you, is there one bit of advice you'd give to anyone who is looking to be more embodied in their business? But I feel like what you've just shared, I mean, I will obviously invite you to still share that if there's anything to add to that. But I feel like what you've just shared is so just so relevant to that, you know, it's, it's that compassion piece to all our parts. And, and I think in this day and age where so many of us are so fast to label ourselves under one thing or another, you know, my daughter, as some people know, um, was diagnosed with autism and a, on the past ADHD. And I then recognized I myself maybe too. And I recognize, and, and there are various things that we give ourselves labels for, right. Uh, <laughs> and I don't, you know, and that then causes some kind of identity but what Tamsin has shared has been very revolutionary for me because rather than seeing myself as one label, I just recognize the elements where I'm not quite like everyone else and some things don't land quite as easily. Um, some things are more of a challenge to me than others. Um, and I've a lot of people I've spoken to have kind of said it's quite amazing how relaxed you've been with this diagnosis because a lot of people, it sends them into a bit of an existential kind of quandary. 
But in my case, it was a real revelation and a real support. And partly that was to do with the work I'd done with Tamsin around real compassion for all my parts and just recognizing that they all play part of something so much bigger um, and that we all matter, you know, and, and all our parts matter. And that's what makes us unique and special. And we can all do this. We can all do this in every moment in any time where you kind of say, oh, I can't multitask. It's kind of thinking actually, but that's a good thing because that allows you to focus more in one area. And what can we do to create an environment in our lives? That means we don't need to multitask. What does that mean about how you show up in the kitchen? What does that mean about how you show up at an event? What does that mean about how you show up to work? And once we start to gradually create our lives in a way that you know, adheres to our way of being rather than fighting against a way that we're not, it all becomes much easier. So I feel like that in itself is one really valuable step that somebody could start doing today um, that, you know, in a year's time, they'd probably look at their world and see how different it looked already. But what would you add to that, Tamsin? Mm, Yeah, I love that. I think as a it, it, it's, it feels even too big, you know, to be like, tune into your body, <laughs> like see what's there, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it feels too big. Um, but the awareness of our own, I mean, it's always, always, always the first step, awareness of mm. where do I tend to go? Like, where do I tend to live? Um, Do I tend to live in that fight, flight energy? Do I tend to live in more of a shutdown energy? And how can I, what are the tools that I have and the resources that I have to expand my capacity to feel present right now? You know, can I actually allow myself one minute to look at the sky, 30 seconds to look at the sky? Can I go on a walk and actually take in what I can see? around me mm. you know can I maybe having a you know a long bath is too much maybe going off for a manicure is too much maybe it can just be can I take three breaths you know mm. something so simple regulating your nervous system welcoming all parts of yourself is a gradual process and we start where we are we start exactly where we are it doesn't have to be an hour-long thing 30 seconds of presence when we are used to being go, go, go all of the time and in our mind all of the time is incredible. There are no small steps towards regulation. Every single one of them counts. Um, So I would say start where you are. Small is everything. I love that. I love that. And if anyone's listening and curious to know how they could work with you or find out more about the wonderful work you do, Please, can you share? Yeah. So I'm um, on Instagram at Tamsin Crimmins, just my name. Um, I mainly work one-to-one. I really love the one-to-one intimacy. I work with, well, phenomenal people like you. It's people, there tends to be a couple of different people who come and work with me. Super strategic people like you. (laughs) Who who maybe um, are desiring more ease to receive with more ease you know to to play a bigger game and and do it from a place of regulation um and there are people who maybe are already really embodied and they um might need a little bit of support in expanding their vision and their leadership and what they're what they're here to do so um yeah there's a couple of different kind of styles of people who come to me but 
all of them with a desire to expand and do, do so in a way that is sustainable, you know, that isn't all about the hustle. Um, so that's my main absolute joy. Um, and that's mainly for entrepreneurs and coaches and healers and creatives in the online space. Beautiful. And can you tell us a bit about Superbloom? Yes, Superbloom is my 12-week group container. Um, this is a somatic receiving program. And it's a it's essentially about widening our capacity to be in uh, presence, be in that ventral vagal uh, capacity, be in pleasure as much as we possibly can, and start to retrain our nervous system that we get to receive from a new model of receiving rather than the hustle and the push and the I've got to make everything happen kind of energy. Um, so it's mainly somatic. There's also some strategic elements to it so that we can take maybe slightly edgy actions just so we can expand mm. and show our systems that we are safe to keep taking these steps. Um, because so often, you know, the way we the way we heal all of these patterns is by doing the slightly uncomfortable thing and taking really good care of ourselves as we do that. So we don't blow ourselves way out of our um, kind of comfort zone. So it's slow, it's somatic, it's very intimate. Um, yeah, and it's for anybody who wants to lean into being seen as a real creative, a leader, um, an entrepreneur, a thought leader, and receive from just from being themselves. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Tamsin. As I mentioned before, any details to do with Tamsin will all be underneath in the show notes. So please do check them out. Um, thank you for sharing your time with us today um, and all your wonderful thoughts and energy. So much love to you. And that's it. That's bye from me and bye from Tamsin. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Polly. have been listening to the embodied business revolution podcast with myself polly Lavarello. thank you so much for joining me today and if you enjoyed today's episode and are keen to hear more come on over and join us behind the scenes at embodied business revolution on instagram we can't wait to say hi